Well, hello and uh, welcome to another edition to uh, Women's Tennis Talk. I am uh, Sophia Miak and I'm sitting here in my hotel room in the bubble before the start of the US Open here in Queens, New York. Very particular year today in 2020 with what's been going on. Sue Thurl is across the pond in the UK and can't be here because of the situation as mentioned. So we will have to wait another year for Sue to join us at the US Open, but I am fortunate to reunite with one of my favorite lead commentators, who is one of the most respected in the field, extremely knowledgeable in his English language that always puts a spin, no pun intended, on his subtle introductions when starting to call matches. I'm pleased to welcome a very hard worker that puts his soul in his work, my co-worker, but also my friend, the one and only Kevin Skinner. How are you doing, Kevin? Bonjour, Sophie. That was very sweet of you, that introduction. I started looking around the room, see if there was somebody else here who I didn't know who you're talking about. But uh, very kind words, I appreciate it. It's great to see you again, partner. You know, when we walked onto the grounds of the USTA uh, National Tennis Center yesterday to go through some of our pre-US Open uh, protocols, if you will, I hadn't realized it, but it's been 41 weeks since I last saw you. You counted those weeks. I did, I, every, every one of them. Every week, every day has been like so miserable for you, There's right? There's a notch there on my <laughs> desk as every week that goes by. But, you know, we usually see each other every, you know, four to six weeks calling, you know, premier mandatory events together. And, and of course, the, final, the WTA finals in Shenzhen was our last time. It's hard to imagine. Uh, all that time's gone by, and also all the time since really we've seen major tennis. It's yeah. unbelievable that six and a half months. Six when, and a half months, yeah. what have you been doing? I've been spending a lot of time uh, trying to work on uh, being more articulate via your <laughs> it's gonna be It's going to be quite difficult because uh, you already, I think you've reached pretty much the pinnacle of this, so uh, as the artistry. Merci. Uh, but seriously, just trying to find ways to occupy time, you know, spend time uh, focused a little bit on myself, a lot on my family. I have some people who uh, are vulnerable to the pandemic that uh, are very close to me and very, uh, you know, uh, important in my life. So focused on that, uh, you know, lots of stuff to try to find ways to create a routine away from what was our normal, mm -hmm. which was every few weeks packing a bag and going somewhere, watching tennis, uh, describing it to the fans. So, what about the, the fact that you stayed in one place for so many weeks and yeah. months? I mean, was that like just something? Because I experienced that and I was like, I thought I couldn't do it. And then the months started to pass and I'm like, I'm loving this. Uh, I feel very fortunate that uh, I'm in a position where I live in, in South Florida, in Miami Beach, that uh, it afforded me a lot of chances to get outside for fresh air with creating my own 30-foot distance. Forget mm -hmm. about the protocol yeah. of six feet. I was very... <laughs> concerned, as I mentioned, with family members that are uh, vulnerable to this, as well as myself, um, to get out and about and immediately start to create some sort of regimen so that each day had a purpose, each day had something to offer, instead of just floundering, sitting around. There were a couple of days where I was uncertain, <laughs> and, you know, twiddling my thumbs, tapping my foot, but uh, was very fortunate in being able to sort of create. The other thing I found out that was incredible, I'm not allergic to books. <laughs> That's pretty good. See, I, I'm I'm a really bad reader because I say bad reader, not because I can't read it's because I fall asleep after two sentences, wow. two paragraphs. So it's uh, horrible. And I don't remember what I read. So it takes me years to read a book. But hey, I've tried and I, I've, I've been successful on some of them. But hey, let's talk about what's been going on. The last uh, podcast that uh, we had was with Sue Searle and that was in, the, in June, last uh, like last week of June on the 28th. 
Um, of course, you know, the layoffs and uh, what's been happening since then. We're going to start with, you know, the restart of the tournament. Sure. So, uh, you know, talking about Palermo, for example. I don't know. Have you been following some of the stuff? I mean, it's been you hard. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. there was a there was a dearth of activity in my interest in the sports yeah. world for a while. And suddenly when things began again, it was very encouraging. Obviously, there's been stops and starts and projected tournament beginnings and then being canceled and stuff. So when Palermo got underway, what a treat that was. And what a way to finish. I mean, think of what 2020 started as. The first 12 tournaments, there were 12 different champions and it seemed like there was so much hope for things to happen. And then they just pulled the rug out. But then all of a sudden, Italy hosts the first event and Fiona Ferro. Well, of all places, Italy was hit so hard and so badly by uh, coronavirus. And Absolutely. You think about what, you know, that, that was kind of like, you know, lift for everybody to think, well, if it can happen there, then it can happen anywhere. I mean, that sure. sounds like a song that I, I think we, we, we all know. <laughs> apropos um, for where apropos we are. Apropos for where we are. That's right. New York, New York. But uh, yeah, Fiona Farrow, I mean, what a tournament she had. I mean, I've, I've seen her and I've watched her play. Obviously, she's French, so, you know, and she's from Nice and, you know, well, actually, uh, is she from Nice? I'm not sure. She's from, uh, oh, I know Alize is. I think she, she might be from Nice as well. But anyway, uh, she played some great tennis, very aggressive. I think, you know, the, the, the new coach has been changed, changing really her game. I mean, she's more aggressive. She's working with the ex-coach of uh, Luca Pouille, who is uh, Emmanuel Planck. I don't know if you know him, the guy who, uh, who, when you see him on, on, you know, on TV, you go, wow, what happened? I mean, the guy is like wearing long hair, is he looks disheveled, but let me tell you, he's one of the best coach out there. Uh, and she mentions it and she, she knows that she's been learning a lot about, uh, about tennis from him and from his experience. So yeah, an amazing way to win that tournament. And let's not forget, you know, Contivate, who uh, I think is showing really a lot of great tennis. Yeah, some of the skill that we're used to seeing from her. It doesn't appear that the layoff had a lot uh, as far as taking her off her the front foot, but uh, all credit to Farrow. I mean, her second w title, WTA title, mind you, and did it with only losing a single set. I mean, that's impressive to come back from the layoff to be able to perform like that. So kudos to her. And then, of course, attention really turned towards Kentucky, that's usually right. known for the thoroughbreds. Well, actually, we had Prague before that. Forgive yeah. me, Prague. Yep. Yeah, let's not forget Prague, which which was also, you know, a tournament that was yeah. supposed to, I thought it was a trampoline for Simona Halep to, to come to uh, the U.S. Open. Uh, but as she said from the beginning of the tournament, she was going to make the decision of coming to the U.S. Open uh, after and at the end of, uh, of Prague. We all know that she has made the decision not to come to uh, to the U.S. Open. But what a tournament for her. I mean, you could tell that she was obviously very comfortable, as we've seen on clay uh, in prior times, playing against an amazing player, Ellis Mertens, who is also, as cultivates, showing that, you know, they're coming back with more. And, you know, Contivate, we're going to talk a little more, but, you know, for Elise Mertens, I think that what I see is that she's always trying to improve. And you see the difference in her game, almost like tournament from tournament to tournament. And uh, that's impressive. Yeah. And also her mental fortitude, you know, the fact that she can hang in so tough. Uh, everybody who's ever played on the other, other side of the net from her knows that there's no chance there's going to be any sort of give from that aspect. I think going back to your final in Prague, and then she's also backed it up. We'll talk a little bit more about her final four appearance here in New York in the Cincinnati event. But I can't help but think, wow, for Simona Halep, not two titles in the year, a nine-match win streak, and then just to say, okay, Prague is enough. I'm going to wait for everything to return to Europe, not show up in New York. Wonder, perhaps, aside from the obvious reasons and 
and it's all her due credit to her. She can do whatever she wants as far as the pandemic. But an opportunity missed, maybe, in not coming to New York with a chance at a U.S. Open title? Well, especially seeing how it is right now. I mean, we will, I mean, time will tell. Obviously, we're going to see in these next two weeks. You know, we hope for the best. That means, you know, no one is going to, you know, come out with testing positive. I think, you know, it will be a miracle if that doesn't happen because, you know, because we're all human and uh, this is what's going on in, in life right now. But I think for Halep, yeah, missed opportunities. I mean, you're going to reflect on it saying, well, you know, U.S. Open title would have been nice to have under my belt in the situation that uh, that we're in. And uh, we'll talk more about, you know, is it is it a need to put an asterisk near the U.S. Open, which uh, we, we both have, our, I think, our opinion on that. And I think it might be the same one. I, we haven't <laughs> talked about this, but we I haven't. have a feeling it's the same. But anyway, you're right. Missed opportunities for Halep, I think. But... In retrospect, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's know. mostly for the pundits and us, of course, to hypothesize. Of course, Simone is a pretty pragmatic person. You know she would have put thought in herself and Darren Cahill, recognizing the potential that might be there versus what could have been, uh, you know, a conflicting emotions about being in New York. So for her, you know, it's the choice she made, and, and that's good honor. Yeah, you know, um, so. I mean, and you know, the uncertainty of what can happen in the future is also something that, I would have thought that she would have gauged a little more because we're not sure that Rome will happen. We're not sure that as Madrid was canceled, we're not sure that Roland Garros will happen, the French Open. I mean, it's, I mean, yes, chances are right now that it's looking good. But when you look at what's going on in Europe and in, in France, especially with a resurgence of, of a lot of COVID uh, cases in Paris mainly and Marseille, the, the, the main two cities in France, you're starting to wonder, well, are we going to have Roland Garros? Is it really going to be played? So I hope it does because we need this as tennis fans as and, God forbid, for our job and, our, our, you know, paying paying our bills for, right. <laughs> for one thing. But, hey, that's, uh, that's uh, you know, all for Simona Halep. You know, that's, that's our choice, and we totally respect that. So moving along, as you mentioned. Yeah, I put the card ahead of the horse that's this all right. time, talking about horse country <laughs> in uh, Lexington, Kentucky. A lot of eyeballs on that tournament for obvious reasons, uh, a bigger draw, but also the names that showed up. Yeah, Serena Williams being one of them, and uh, Coco Goff and Sabalenka. I mean, we had, but Serena Williams was really the one that everybody was waiting for, and, you know, for us to to see where she was, you know, what shape she was in. Uh, is she really going to be a contender at the U.S. Open? I think that she always be a contender no matter what. Um, I was uh, I was a little bit disappointed in a way because, you know, I think that her first round against Para was a three-setter that she got out. She was struggling. Uh, and then, you know, beating Venus, you know, was to me a good match. I think that it's always hard when they play each other. And then losing against Rogers to me was uh, was a little bit of you know a deception, uh, although you know kudos to uh, kudos to uh, Shelby, Shelby yeah. I mean, coming back from injuries and being able to be at that level right now, um, it it shows that she has guts. I think Shelby is in such great shape considering where she was coming from. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's tough to gauge. I mean, we had more gauge after that when we watched Cincinnati, I think. But it's still the struggle is, you know, the age, you know, she gave birth to a child. She, you know, is trying to achieve something that she's been chasing for so long, Serena Williams. And on top of that, you know, she's not in the best shape that she could be, but she's getting in better shape. I mean, you see an improvement on each tournament. So... 
what do you think for you the you know the way that she's saying that she you know took care of herself and and, and worked really hard i mean do you see a difference in the, in the, in the, in these tournaments it's it's hard to say i mean i'm not sure enough of those matches were actually visible i mean obviously there's some room for improvement in the fitness area and the ability for her to get the upper hand on opponents. How many times do we see her play three set matches in a row? It's not long, not often that we see her string together that much effort in that sort of way. Uh, you know, Rogers catching the better of her. Really, I think there was a physical toll that had come from match play is different from practice play. And right, it doesn't matter totally. who you're going up against, you know, who you bring in to test you until you're on the court. That's really the litmus test to see where you are. I'm still waiting to see that if that might have been, and you know, she hadn't lost to a player outside the top 100 in something like I know. eight years. It's ridiculous. Uh, she hasn't lost like in three setters. I mean, the three yeah. setters record was like impeccable. It's like. I, I think what might be, and this is a psychological conversation that could take longer and we could get into another time, but I wonder if that was just a nice little pin to pop a balloon of maybe a little overconfidence potentially, knowing that she would have to go back and kind of reassess a few things, mm -hmm. get that look and then be able to prepare for New York properly. Yeah, but I tell you, you know, I mean, not that I want to diminish, you know, obviously all the players and especially Jennifer Brady who played like a tremendous tournament there. But what I was really shocked in the last two tournaments, which is Lexington and Cincinnati from uh, Williams, is that often we have seen one thing that works for her when she's in a difficult situation. And that one thing is her main, main assets, and that's her serve. And I haven't seen neither aces when it was getting close. I haven't seen service winners, which, you know, is also a lot of points that she wins by, you know, just taking almost the racket out of the player, but still not an ace. And those, I think, serves were the one that were really, you know, remember, she would be like, love, love 40 down, 30, 40 down on her serve. And we're like, okay, T serve ace, boom, T serve ace. I mean, we called it so many times. Pull out the big eraser yeah. and any threat is just dismissed. Right. And, and you're like, okay, here she goes again, because that was really what differentiated her to other players. It's the, the, the quality of the serve at the important time. And I haven't seen that. So I think that's something we can look forward to, hopefully, at the U.S. Open. But Jennifer Brady, listen, Wonderful effort to pick up her first WTA I, title. Incredible. Incredible in all senses because she put the work on the preseason. We talked about this where she actually got out of a very comfortable uh, Florida weather to practice in, you know, in, in the months of December, went to Germany where she was first starting with her new coach, uh, uh, Gesser, we, we used to coach Julia uh, Gerges, and had not even met her trainer, Danielle, who, who, I mean, it was totally new. And she took that, you know, to heart. She put so much work into it. She's a totally different player. Her physical condition, as she mentioned, is like she can hang throughout a match. She's not going to get tired, and she is like so positive, and her tennis is beautiful. It was an incredible effort for her and gives her a lot of confidence coming in, as it did a, a bunch of players. You know, a lot of players coming through that tournament started to say they were getting their feel back, and obviously the emotional return to tennis was a plus. You know, you mentioned Serena giving birth, and, and her daughters picked up a racket and shown some prowess, but how about the mama from SoCal? Oh, Vika. Vika. Rank it coming back to win the Cincinnati tournament. That was incredible. I mean, uh, I mean, yes, she did get a walkover on, on uh, Osaka in the final, but it's so good to see her back at the top. I think it was a 21st title. 21st title, yep. yeah. And uh, but going back to you know some of the the names that 
really disappear very quickly. Uh, like Karolina Pliskova in the first opening round, she had a bye, but she loses to Kudermetova, which uh, I thought, obviously, Pliskova looks very rusty. Uh, you know, we saw Kennan also losing to uh, Alize Corne, who, you know, Alize Corne is, is talk about people in shape on the tour. Uh, I mean, who played a, a great match and he's not afraid to play top players. I mean, she's uh, the only players who beat, I believe, Serena Williams three times in the same year. I think that was in 2016, but uh, my maybe my memory is uh, a little bit fuzzy right now. But losing to Azarenka, and Azarenka, is, you know, she was the talk of pretty much the, the tournament besides uh, Sakari beating Williams. Uh, I think Williams was too tired uh, after playing against, uh, you know, Roos and three setters, 7-6, 3-6, 7-6, and then playing against Sakari in the third set, she was inexistent. She was not even there. I mean, she couldn't move. Yeah, she struggled with yeah. the, the footwork and, and preparation and, and being in position to strike as she can so well. And, and Maria is such a good mover, such a big striker on her own, was able to pick her apart. Yeah, um, yeah. And again, she was serving, you know, for the match, I believe, uh, Williams, and just, just couldn't couldn't close it out. Just the serve wasn't there. The quality of the serve, just not there. Um, Joanna, Joanna Conta is, is playing some good tennis as well. We saw Contivate with a very, uh, very... Uh, incredible match thriller against Osaka I think Osaka paid really uh, the price for it when she started to have problem with uh, Armstrong uh, and but we have to give credit to Osaka because you know she put aside her tennis to really go to the cause and what matters in life today uh, I think that took a lot of energy out of her in this tournament well it's, a, it's the side of Naomi Osaka that has emerged in the last better part of 12 months even with the time off is the ability for her to to put forth some personal statements you know a lot of times we we looked at Naomi and thought of her as being sort of retreative and and shy and didn't really want to articulate her feelings or found it difficult to do so well she certainly found a way now to do so and and led the charge really for what caused the entire tournament to take one day to step aside and focus on the issues at hand the black lives matter movement which is very personal for naomi of course uh, but there's a, it's so much for now her former u.s open champion and two-time yep. major champion to to be able to establish a, a personality and a voice on a large stage that not everyone has the chance to do and i think she's done it not only effectively but admirably yeah, I, I totally, uh, I concur. Is this something that you use often with me? But uh, I do. Um, and I love the fact that, you know, she really, in her tweet said, you know, people don't need to be watching me playing tennis right now. There are so many more important things. And it's true. And uh, it's difficult for, even for me personally, to, to feel like, oh, here I am, you know, commentating a tennis tournament when people are struggling uh, through life uh, in, in so many ways, not only by just being sick, you know, with, with COVID, but also, you know, by the loss of jobs, you know, the, the mental toughness that everybody has to go through right now. So it's kind of ridiculous that we hear, you know, talking and having a podcast about tennis, but life has to go on and, and we have to make it so people maybe, you know, are getting something out of this of some kind of enjoyment. So. Sure. That's why we're here, and we we have to continue uh, going through. But Azarenka, as she mentioned it, she uh, she really joyfully enjoyed that tournament, and and I think that a lot of players, and I mentioned that before, think that if they play well, they're gonna enjoy it, and I think it's the total opposite. And I was, you know, I was I didn't invent that. Billie Jean King, you know, taught me that. She said, you enjoy the time you have out there. It's gonna equal for you to play well. 
And I think the enjoyment comes from being clear in your mind, knowing you put the work in, knowing that you belong. And as Aranka mentioned it, she said, listen, I had my ups and downs. I, I was up and then I went down, but the problem is my ego was still the same. I still felt like I belong. I still felt like I was putting the, the work in. And when it finally, you know, she always had the expectation. And when the expectation were met and that happened in this tournament, she said, you know, she, she feels tremendously happy also. Yeah, that's sort of cause and effect, which is more important. We know lots of people who win, are successful, aren't always happy. But happy players often find more enjoyment from the, the game and therefore can use that as a stepping stone to success. And totally. just all around effort for the you know, two-time major champion on hard courts in Australia and twice runner-up that same year in 2012 and 2013 at the U.S. Open. For Azarenka to be in the mix now certainly changes some of the look of the women's draw at the U.S. Open. Oh, for sure. They all look like, oh, well, well, she's back. And she's sure back. Well, speaking of the U.S. Open, first I want to ask you this question. Uh, Do you think that the U.S. Open, as many people mentioned, should have an asterisk besides, you know, right by the name of of the winner? No. I'm not sure how to be more emphatic than that. No. No asterisk. In fact, I wish the word didn't exist at the moment because it's (laughs) taking away from the idea of what this requires. What a major tournament and event requires lack of certain players can never be uh, I don't find it ever to be an issue because it can come down to many things whether it's personal strife whether it's injury whether it's avoiding a pandemic any reason the draw is the draw and it's an opportunity for the people who show up if it turns out that only eight players show up out of 128 maybe we start talking about the a word but in the meantime with 128 players arriving in New York to contest this major one of the toughest tests in tennis I say asterisk should not even be uh, mentioned as a word in the pr- proceedings. Okay, you and I are on the same uh, wavelength as usual. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to add something to this, is okay. that if they thought so, then we should never even talk about the 24 majors that uh, that uh, Margaret Court won. Why? Because if you go back to what Margaret Court won, she won 11 of them at, in Australia at the Australian Open. So my point is, I really, truly, uh, you know, embrace the fact that she has the 24 and that she deserved to be the leader in that category. Uh, Do I look at it with an asterisk? No, because what happened then is that a lot of players would not go to Australia. A lot of players didn't travel to Australia. A lot of players didn't even want to play on grass because it was on grass at the time. So a lot of players in the field were not, it was not the field that probably was the strongest. She still did win uh, six to seven matches. I think it was six at the time because the draw was, uh, was smaller. But the point of the matter is she won. She won this tournament, and it counted as a major. And you cannot ever take that away. You still have to win it, and the field is still what it is. Strong, not as strong. I think it's as strong as, as it can be. Yes, of course, we could have had the Andrescu. We could have had but the Halep. But I do believe that winning a major is winning a major. I don't care. As long as there's 128 people in that draw, start the clock. Let's go. I concur. <laughs> All right. Well, let's look at it. So we are looking at seeded one, Carolina Pliskova, which <laughs> lost in the first round of Cincinnati, as I mentioned, to uh, Kudermetova. And I mean, question, question mark. I mean, who knows? Very much so. How sh- how will she respond to the idea of being the hunted with the, the one extra name at the top of the draw? Uh, a couple of opening rounds that, that shouldn't offer too much in the way of... of 
resistance to be able to get through. Although Caroline Garcia could be tough in the second round. There is that potential there. Maybe Jan Brady. You know, we just talked about her and her fine form in Lexington, a potential third round opponent for Carolina. So there are some potential yeah. mind fields there that, that could be difficult. And let's not forget how well CC Bellis has done in the last tournaments coming right. back for, I mean, you have to give this one like really a trophy for the fact that she's back on the tour. I mean, yep. CC Bellis went to so many operations for an elbow problem that for me, you know, I, I have to, I have to tip my hat to her because it's amazing to be able to get back uh, as many, many doctors, I think, said to her that, you know, chances were very slim. So uh, good to know that she's back. Brady in that, uh, in that area of the draw, as you said, they could play in the third round with Pliskova if she was to get there. Pliskova still, you know, uh, majors, le- uh, you know, yeah. she still cannot see the finish line to get to uh, to the two of majors. So we'll see what well, happens. Well, th- if there is any fond feelings <laughs> in a major, it's going to be here four years ago, That's you know, true. reaching the final as runner-up yep. in 2016. But, yep. uh, you know, they're, you know, again, also looking, a question mark that'll be interesting in there is potential fourth-round meeting if she can get there against Kerber. Yeah, and Kerber, question mark, big one, because yeah. she hasn't done anything, hasn't played, so... Who knows? Um, you know, going down, we are looking at also uh, Vondrusova, who is uh, who is right here. Uh, you know, she did lose to Sigmund 6-4 in the third. Vondrusova who is coming back also for injury, and uh, you know, we remember her at the the French Open uh, finalist. You know, that that was something that was a trampoline we thought, but got some injuries and couldn't play as much as she did. Uh, so anyway, you know. She uh she's a bit rusty I'm sure Vondrusova as well and uh, I'm gonna follow the you know the most important you know area of the draw that I'm looking at uh, Osaka, uh, seated number four who's playing against Misaki Doi uh, always dangerous Misaki Doi lefty yep. uh, you have to be careful Osaka is one and zero against her beater in 2016. Uh, but first rounds are always tricky. Yeah, they can be tough, and especially facing a compatriot, you know, Japan, a fellow Japanese player, that can sometimes get a little in the mindset. But regardless, you have to feel early doors, if I can borrow from our British contemporaries, we'll be watching the left hamstring, the yeah. movement, because Doi will challenge her <laughs> enough true. to move her and That's see true. if that hamstring is up to snuff. Yeah, look, Misaki Doi takes the ball early, but uh, with the power of Osaka, she could be blown away off the court if Osaka is uh, consistent enough that day. But she also, Misaki Doi, can bring back so many balls. So, yeah, something to watch and see how this hamstring is. And uh, a potential third-round match with uh, third-round uh, Coco Goff, who is in that area of the draw, who would be playing against a very tricky opponent, I think, uh, in Sevastova, who's done so well here at the U.S. Open. Yeah, without question. And for a lot of people, sentimentality-wise, they'll be thinking about last year and that moving moment where Osaka reached out to Coco after their match and offered her figuratively her shoulder to cry on of sorts and really helped address the the, the need for Coco to get over a, what was a, a emotional loss but all things considered I think for Naomi and for a lot of the players we're going to be going through here as far as the seated players not only is fitness going to be key but how about this court speed I know. We've seen. We're talking fast courts that plays into the totally. Naomi Osaka's game yeah. if she's fit and ready to go it could be lights out for everybody standing in her way. Very true, and same for Coco Goff. You know, she's an outsider in this tournament, and she can she can take time away from Sevastova, and overpower with the with the you know the speed of the courts that you mentioned, and uh, that could be very difficult for Sevastova. But Sevastova is going to have to use some of the slice and dice, the drop shots. So uh, a very interesting match. 
Uh, going down, I, I poured out, you know, Contivate against Collins. I mean, Contivate's been so improving under the tutelage of uh, Nigel Sears, who's been working with her. I remember talking to him last year. Uh, going into, was that a couple of years ago in Zhuhai? I mean, tournament, I was uh, I was actually sharing the car from the airport to the tournament site and uh, just mentioned how much she's been working, but the fact that she was, she had so many illness and and unfortunate illness uh, in, in the years past that really slowed down that progression. I'm so happy to see her picking it right back up. And uh, so she'll play against uh, against Collins, uh, and they've never played each other. Yeah, I think I think she plays into a lot of the hands. I'm I'm really going to be focused on, in a lot of ways, the power hitters, the people who can handle the yeah. speed of these courts. They're playing very fast. It doesn't seem to there was any sand in the that was available to mix into the paint when they redid the courts at the UST National Tennis Center. UST, Billie Jean King. Oh yeah, we can't sorry, leave out. Sorry. No, you're not. You're 100 right. I can't leave out the oh, the lady I call the OG of the LBC. Uh, <laughs> OG of the LBC. Well, Long be. Beach. You oh know, yes, all, all that's right. All due respect to Snoop Dogg and all the guys right. who come out of the LBC. The yep. OG is definitely BJK with oh, a, a four-time champion this event. Mind yes, you, so. yes, mind you. <laughs> All right, going down to the uh, the first part of the draw, the uh, up upper, upper part of the draw. Yes, Tremska is also always dangerous, especially the power. And talking about what you mentioned, the speed of the court. So we're gonna have to to look for that. And uh, Petra Kvitova, uh, seated six, um, played exhibition in Berlin in Europe. Uh, I find her rusty. Also lost to uh, Buskova in three set with ten double faults. I think that was in Cincinnati. That was not pretty. Um, not folks. I'm not sure that's going to put her in, in big confidence. But the one good thing is, like you said, courts are fast, so she could be dangerous. Uh, anything else you have to add to this one? Pretty much it, right? That's no, I mean the top half of the draw has has uh, some names that have had historically decent results, but I think as you transition to the bottom, that is the packed half. That's the one that has the most prestige. The names that have accomplished a lot. If you want to add up major titles and put them all together, it's when that's the dangerous road to tread through. If you can get out of the bottom half of the draw and vie for the title, you got yeah. a pretty good chance. Yeah, starting with Madison Keys, seeded seven, we'll be playing against uh, Timea Babos. She's three and one against her. Uh, they played three times in 2016. They never played on hard court first time. Uh, they played two times on grass, one one on clay. And Babos always dangerous. Again, a powerhouse can uh, hit a, a very heavy and hard ball. It's a very tough tough first round. I mean, there's not many easy first round as we all know uh, in women's tennis these days, as the the field is is so deep. Uh, going down, we see uh, Vekic, who's uh, seated 18, would be playing against Kristina Pliskova, who's been playing the sister, uh, uh, twin sister of Carolina, who's been playing some good tennis and to watch because of the fast surface again and her serve being the weapon, uh, being lefty also. Uh, could be dangerous for Vekic, but we know Vekic loves a fast surface as well. I mean, those are big, big hitters. Yeah, and let's not forget that oh, that would be a fourth round meeting for Madison versus Vekic if they both move through. But not forgetting the Australian Open runner-up Muguruza yep, also standing in the way. She's there. right there, and uh, she decided very late to come to the states, but nonetheless she's here, and uh, we'll see. You know, Christian Mark on Muguruza. She hasn't been playing, and we know that for her, you know, she needs she needs to have a lot of matches on, under her belt. So we'll see what she does against uh, Ibino in the first round. Maria Sakari, uh, fantastic athlete, uh, has been playing some great tennis, beating Serena Williams uh, last week. So 
uh, yeah, I mean, the draw for Sakari would be uh, also to look at Anisimova in our draw and Stevens. Sloan Stevens, I still think that could have used the time to get in better shape. I still think that her tennis is so much higher than, uh, and she, you know, and she get away with it because she has such great anticipation that uh, she always, you, you feel like she's really gliding to the court. But is do, do you be... feel that Sloan is the type of player, I'm thinking a la years back when Serena showed up, ranked outside the top, what, 80, and showed up in Australia and played her way into fitness over the course of those seven matches and walked away with the trophy? Does Sloan Stevens have the ability to kind of pick up a couple of matches and elevate her fitness level and be a viable challenger for the title? I'm not sure she can go all the way uh, with the title. Um, I would be surprised that she that she would because of the quickness of the surface. Uh, it's not going to be as as slow, um, at least slower than when she won it. So, I would be surprised if she wins this. Um, so I would not see that happen. Uh, then going down, Serena Williams. Here she is at CD three in the tournament. Uh, you know she's playing against Christy Han uh, from the USA. Um, you know, Han retired in Lexington with a right knee. Uh, she did qualify for the tournament, so right knee injury in Lexington. So don't know if Han is totally recovered. Never played each other. Uh, hopefully Williams can go through. I would, I would, I would think she does. Um, and by the way, if you hear a few sounds here, it's just you know we are in our hotel room in the bubble right now, and you know my friend is so tall, he's sitting on a chair, and every time that he tries to put, because he starts to look really good for me, he tries to put his hair back, he hits every time the lampshade. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to scratch my head, and I should probably put my head in the lampshade. That's about what Actually, I. Actually, that I'm looks along, pretty good. But, uh... Yeah, apologies for... Very interesting. Very, very cute. You did it once. I was not going to mention it, but twice, you know. I forget it's up there. (laughs) Ah, the third would be the charm. Anyway, going back to the draw. So Serena Williams playing Han, uh, Christy Han. And then Sabalenka, big hitter. And guess who she's she's playing? I was going to say she's hitting, but that's pretty much what's going to happen. It's going to be a slam fest out there. With, yes, with the Ocean Dodan. Yeah, Dodan to start, perhaps Azarenka in the next round. She's going to be hitting up against a lot of big players. Oh, but boy. people are starting to think that she's in the mix. I mean, this court surface could favor her, but does she have the ability to put together two weeks of high level tennis? She's yep. shown she can do it over a single week. Correct. But is two weeks, is that too long for her to I be think, able to sustain that level? I think for level? some of them, it's hard to have that, you know, that, that day in between. I mean, uh, and I think she's one of them. And she's learning. Uh, don't forget that she's still very young. And I think that she will be definitely uh, on, on the majors list at some point, winning majors. I have no doubt. Azarenka, with that win in, uh, in, uh, since, well, in New York, but for the Cincinnati tournaments, she's used to the courts, that's for sure, even though she did win as a walk over in the final she did put matches together that were very impressive so she's going to be a dangerous uh, a dangerous player out there and she's not seated so uh, i think sabalenka was not probably very happy to see her <laughs> right there in her path if that was to happen in the second round i concur yeah and then you know going down we have a victory uh, against townsend townsend who played such great tennis last year here at the open uh, they played six times so they're three and three uh, and uh, last time was 2019, so Taylor won 7-5-6-2. That was Indian Wells, the 125K. So it will be an interesting match, All-American affair. Um, we have the outsider, Schweitek, who's also somebody to watch. He's been really the player to, uh, 
you know, grow into a into her own and a young player coming up. Uh, Kudermetova, CD twenty nine, uh, playing against Schweitek, so that's that would be a Schweitek. That would be an interesting one. I I would see Schweitek winning this one, but we'll see what happens. Williams, the other Williams, Venus playing against uh, number twenty seed Mukova. Uh, what do you think about? The chances for for Venus to win this one. Yeah, she, Venus is another one. Just way, like we were mentioning about whether Sabalenka and her inexperience or her youth, as of yet, hasn't been able to parlay in putting two strong weeks together. I think for Venus, the difficulty is can her body withstand putting together two strong weeks? You know, her her draw has has a little start where she could kind of play her way into getting a good positive feeling, but then immediately third round, you know, Johanna Conta, who's, as you mentioned, been playing well, could stand in her way in the third. Sabalenka, potentially, round of 16. Going through the gauntlet and playing these high-level, big tennis, big hitting, speed court favoring players, it's tough for Venus to be able to sustain something over, you know, 14 days. Yeah, because what, you know, what people, you know, don't understand is, one, you know, she's obviously probably the oldest in the draw, I would think. Two, uh, you have to think that with the court being that fast, you have to be a step faster to right. get to those balls. So that's not really, you know, helping somebody like uh, Venus Williams, who who needs maybe a semi-fast court. She needs the, the speed for a game, for sure, but, you know, that might be a little bit uh, tough to handle, but I still see her coming through against and upsetting Mukova, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, is it Mukova? Yeah, it's Mukova, not Mucho, oh, Mukova, yeah, correct. Um, then we have Kanta against Watson, the old British pair. Kanta won uh, three of their uh, meeting in the past, so I would think Joanna, with the way that she's been playing, although Watson did win a tournament this year. Hello. Yeah. So it doesn't happen for any people this year with the uh, really slim amount of tournaments that have been played. And then going down, uh, we have Ons Jabeur, and uh, we know Ons Jabeur can really do uh, damage damage everywhere. Absolutely. Fantastic to watch a tennis player's tennis player, if you will, that love the not only the level of commitment that she throws in, but she's now really backing up with the physicality and, and finding answers to questions that sometimes eluded her previously it's very it's been very impressive and really a joy to watch her flourish yeah you know we're missing andrescu in the draw but i would think that jabber and andrescu to me are very similar uh type of of play and game you know they use the drop shot they use the inside out forehand uh the movement so it's it's kind of fun to know that at least jabber is in the draw and you know do you think physically she's she's at the top of what she could get it I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I I don't know enough about uh, her off-court regimen and what she does. There was a time that I thought, this girl's got a magnificent game. I hope she's putting in the work in in this room. By appearances, a lot of people hang that as their assumption of whether or not she is to shape or not. I just don't know. I don't know enough about how she goes about it. What I like is that she never wavers in her tenacity and and the thought process she goes through in a match. You know, and that seems to be whether she's at 100% fitness and she could be better that question mark may linger, but yeah, you know she's in it for the long haul. Yeah, it's very deceptive. Deceptive. I mean, she's deceptive to me because yeah. I keep saying that I think that she could get uh, definitely fitter, uh, and and then again she proves me that you know she goes distance in so many matches. But is she going to be able to go the distance? You know, in long term, you know, like you say, two weeks on, on a on a court that is faster uh with the heat we haven't mentioned but it's not gonna be that hot which uh which is a good thing because i think we experience enough hot weather here 
at the U.S. Open. And then going all the way back uh, down, back to the draw, and uh, we see, uh, you know, a, a player to watch. It's uh, Leila Fernandez from Canada. Uh, she's definitely somebody that um, is a young, up-and-coming uh, player who would be playing one of probably the oldest also in the draw and uh, a veteran, Zvonareva. Uh, Vera Zvonareva, so it will be interesting to see the young and the and the older uh, players. And then we have Kenan City 2 uh, playing against Janina Wickmeyer. So, you know, Kenan is also, you know, to me a question mark because she, um, you know, from her win at the Australian Open, it's so hard for players who have been kind of on a roll at the beginning of the year and then winning also in Lyon, which was tournament in February before or beginning of March from the 2nd to the 8th. That was uh, the first tournaments, I mean, the, one of the last tournaments to be played before uh, before the halt on the WTA tour and on the tennis period. And she proved that she was on roll and she was playing great tennis and then boom, things stopped. So for me, it, it's so hard for these players mentally who were like so up, you know, in, our, in their game to then try to, you know, come back and, and and pick up where they where they left it. Sure, the pause button can create a whole lot oh. of uh, problems, and especially when it's been something like it's been, I believe, sixty six months and nineteen days since she raised the trophy in Melbourne. You know, the other part of it is the mental challenge that she's going to be basically the one with the target on her back, right? As the only major champion of the year, winning her first major title. Very good point. People yeah. are going to be asking about it all the time. Can you win your second major title in the next event? There's only been in the last two decades two women who have won their first two majors back to back to show that it's difficult. You go, Naomi Osaka did it here and then went to Australia the following year to do it. Go all the way back to 2001 with Capriati. Yeah. That's the wow. that was the last prior. It's not an easy thing to win back-to-back majors, period. But when they're your first two major titles, that's unknown territory for those people to be in that position. How will Sophia handle it? Well, that is a question for sure. <laughs> but uh, here's the main question, and I'm going to put you on the spot as well as you're going to put me on the spot. Who do you think is going to win this year's U.S. Open on the women's draw? Yeah, that's a uh, that is being put tremendously on the spot, and, and <laughs> I I don't know. I'm gonna be candid and say because right, I'm still looking at. I will tell you this though. Let's here's, go. Let's go to the last eight. Well, let's here's, about here's what I would say to it first. Before we even do that, yeah. My prediction is the champion will come from the bottom half of the draw. Okay. Hey, that's that's a, that's where right. I'll go for this point. But okay. we can look at how the the final eight might uh, fare out with Pliskova, top seed. Eight Martich, four Osaka, yep. and six Kvitova yep. being the four top seeds from the top half. Yeah. Who do you see emerging from from that quartet? Uh, I would think that uh, Kvitova would be one of them. I'm not sure Pliskova is going to make it. And I really, I think Martich is going to be tough on this court because it's so fast. But I see Osaka there. Uh, so I would say Osaka. Pitova in the in the quarters, and then on the top uh, top top half of the draw, I would go with. Uh, it's gonna be a hard one, but you know, I I I don't know, I don't know. It's too it's too hard to call. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because you know, I'm thinking Brady could get there. I think Brady could be definitely in that quarter. And then to pick somebody in that other part is a very difficult one because there's so many ifs. Madinovic could be one of them because of experience here and court being fast. 
you know, that might help that inside out forehand that if she uses it well, if she's moving well, uh, she sure needs it. <laughs> yeah. In the bottom half. And again, we're going, if yeah. this is only the top eight seeds, we're going according to seedings to reach through yeah. to the last eight. You've got uh, seven Madison Keys. You've got five Arena uh, Sabalenka, of course, two Sophia Kennan, Australian Open champion. And you have SW23 looking for 24, third mm-hmm. seed Serena Williams. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I don't see Keys coming to the quarters. Uh, I would think that either Vekic, if she was to get. Uh, that first round, which I think is going to be one of the toughest one, is the Vekic round. Uh, Zhang Shui is in the is in the side with Keys, but I think court is being a bit too uh, too fast for her. Uh, Muguruza, I think the court is too fast as well. Um, although she's going to like the fast, but she's going to have to get there really fast. And, and the the problem is really the lack of matches for her. So I would see probably. I'm going to give Williams a go to get to the quarters with, uh, uh, I'm going to go on the lane here, but I'm going to go with uh, uh, Williams and, well, uh, Vekic, Williams, Vekic in the quarter. And then the bottom uh, half of the draw, I would go with... um, looking for big we haven't even mentioned Kleischer's was playing who had a problem with her abdominal injury so I'm not sure if she's totally recovered she's a wild card here and she's playing against uh Alexandrova in the first round that's that's a yeah, tough tricky. draw yeah potentially draw. all yeah. Belgian match in the third if she's able yeah. to get through a couple of matches with Elise Mertens who I I think Elise Mertens, Mertens I think has yeah, a good we'll a, go a good the, draw and a good I chance I see quarters with Elise Mertens and uh I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh Azarenka yeah. Okay. So. Well, you're mentioning well, a bunch of moms there. That's kind of fun. Yeah. It's between Azarenka, Kleisters, Zvonareva, Serena. You know, it's looking almost like the early start of the decade back in 2010 <laughs> when Azarenka is winning a couple titles. Kim Ex- won back to back. Yeah, except they were childless. Yeah, right. <laughs> Kleisters beating Zvonareva in that 2010 U.S. Open final. But yeah, it's intriguing. There's a lot of stuff that's uh, going to be worth keeping an eye on and. What hopefully will be, you know, a fanless U.S. Open, but will still elevate the fan experience because there's going to be the coverage on TV and people are so hungry to see major tennis once again for the first time. And the better part of half a calendar, I mean, six months since we've seen players take the court at a major half a world away from Melbourne. Crazy, crazy. And that's a song that I could be singing right now from Patsy Cline. Crazy. This is uh, what's going on. We are in the bubble. We are at... The U.S. Open, I want to thank uh, my guest, who was more than a guest, but more of a lead today. Uh, Sue Thurl was uh, stuck in the U.K., so thank you, Kevin. That was a wonderful time I spent with you, as always. My pleasure, Sophie. Merci for the invitation. And uh, hopefully we'll do that again, and uh, we are looking forward to uh, this coming U.S. Open. That will be starting tomorrow. Uh, well, uh, I will be actually on the radio, so uh, log, the ra- log on the radio Kevin, so. Kevin will be on the the host uh, on the, on TV for many uh, many of the matches. So looking forward to uh, this year, very special year, very historic year of the U.S. Open, and we will see you probably uh, after the U.S. Open to talk more and hopefully getting Sue Thurl back uh, also behind the mic. See you all. Au revoir. <laughs>